and welcome to our Truly Scrumptious podcast, where we talk food festivals, festival food, foodie friends and friends of the festival. In each episode, we will chat to some of our many friends, our celebrity chefs and bakers, food producers, festival team and other people involved in the festival world. We'll even hear some backstage gossip. It's a huge world. It's a hard-working one and great fun too, although a tad stressful at times. My name is Lottie Duncan, and I'm a food presenter, writer, and eater. We want to bring our food festivals to your door, your ears, your living room, and most definitely your kitchen. So draw up your chair, pour yourself something scrumptious, take the weight off your slingbacks and join us within the world of food, festivals and foodie types. Oh, we have a baketastic episode for you this week. A tangy, toasty, squishy, warm and spongy whopper of an hour with four amazing women who also happen to have competed on the Great British Bake Off. And one, who won? And we're happy to say that they are all joining us at our festivals this year too. First of all, let's meet Carol Edwards, or Compost Carol, as she is also known. And when she isn't knee-deep in seedlings, flowers and mud, she's in her kitchen baking up a storm. So I'm, I'm looking at the gorgeous Carol Edwards with her beautiful hair, pink and purple, resplendent. Um, we've just had a bit of a laugh, haven't we? Because I didn't get the um, headphones in the right hole. <laughs> So we've just been, we're going, hold on a minute, ah, put them in the wrong hole, story of my life. Anyway, it's lovely, lovely to meet you, Carol, Compost Carol, as you're well known. Compost Carol, yeah. (laughs) We'll talk about that in a second. But you were on the the latest series of Great British Bake Off with uh, some wonderful, wonderful people I've had the chance to chat to. But I think I'm speaking to Siberia this week and I've spoken to Janusz as well. I love Janusz. Yeah, yeah. Such a lovely chat. So um, it's, it's wonderful and you're coming to our Bradford on Avon Food and Drink Festival in June, which we're really excited about. We've got um, the great British Bake Off alumni coming that weekend. There's so many wonderful, wonderful people. We've got David Atherton, Giuseppe, Stephen Carter-Bailey, who is my... Giuseppe, yeah. Yeah, and you know Stephen Carter-Bailey is my number two boyfriend. Is he? Yes. And David Atherton is my number three. I'm doing very well. Yes, I've got them them gathering... Gathering them in my wake, um, so yeah, it's 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 lovely that you've come on to to have a chat about that. But um, I just want to sort of ask you about your experience at Great British Bake Off because that's what everybody wants to know. Um, you went from just being Carol Edwards Compost Carol to suddenly Bake Off Carol in a matter yeah. of of you know one television weeks. program weeks, weeks. Yes, how weeks. did how did that affect your life? Uh, it was like so you can normally walk down the road. Um, not get recognised, but I was recognised in our small town because I did have pink hair. They knew that I worked in Sainsbury, so I, there was a odd people that go, "Oh, you work in Sainsbury's." Um, but then it got really daft. Um, but now people's just got used to it. You know that it, it is old news, but it's I'm still pretty recognisable. Anybody comes into the shop that's. Um, out of time, like, oh my god, look who it is! You go, yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do get, still get the odd selfie. You know, I was doing a, like uh, five or six selfies a day at work, but now it's down by I don't know two or three a week now. <laughs> but no, it, it is a bit. It was a bit daunting. The first when the show first went out that first week, 
I and we, uh, we thought I need to get something down in Waitrose. And we could not get into Waitrose because there were so many people like like congratulating you and wanting to come up and shake your hand and just, you know, just want to meet you. So, yeah. yeah, that was a bit daunting. I just said, can I go home? Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's quite it, – because everyone feels, I think, as they've seen you and going through the experience with you and going through the pain and the traumas and the wonderful moments, that they know you, that you're part of, yes. you know, part of their family because you're in their – in their sitting room in the evening and yes. they get used to you so they just feel that they're part of you they do i get a lot i've gotten a lot of american fans in fact um and they're you know and of course i'm on cameo too and they want and when i do a cameo i try and put some of my life into it it's like i'm cuddling the cat this is the cat this is my garden this is the hills you know anything you know to try and um connect with them um, but yeah, it's a, a lot of people um, write to me and ask me comments and things, especially about the garden and that. Yeah, well, of course, you are known as Compost Carolyn, and you had a. Um, do you still have a radio show um, where no, you? No, sadly, um, it was Chris. It was last Christmas. I was on another presenter's show called Big Al, and uh, two years previous to that. Um, I was doing it with him then. Um, he he started getting pins and needles in his leg, and a couple of months later they diagnosed him with motor neuron disease. Oh. And to see somebody deteriorate in front of you in in fifteen months, going from having a limp to just moving his head a little bit, and he used to say, "I'm just a head in a bed." Oh, bless you! And it was up. so sad. And we still did his show. We had another presenter that could uh, work all the... Um, of course, he couldn't go down the studio, so we had a home base um, studio. And they used to help clip some of the stuff together. But then his speech was slurring then. It just sounded like he'd been on the beer. Mm. It was... Um, yeah, that was hard. And then trying to like to see, see him like that. So he died, and I went with him kind of it, a couple presenters did ask me to resurrect compost carol um because they like like the um the, the show like but at that time i was in the middle of the bake-off auditions so mm. i couldn't say yay or nay yeah but it was um yeah it was um qu- quite hard oh it'd be lovely to- no, compost carol is is a fictitious character that lives at the bottom of the garden in a compost bin <laughs> and he used to open up the used to have a little bit of banter he used to open a lid and say like please give all the hints and tips for gardening that week and he used to have a little bit of like a little bit of fun and that and then he used to shut down the lid and chuck he'd say here's your chocolate biscuit and a pickled egg <laughs> <laughs> do you like it was a lot of fun do you like pickled eggs Yes. Oh, yes. me too. Do you know, we're a rare breed. There's not a lot of people yes. that like pickled eggs. They should be. I remember growing up having a pickled egg in a packet of Walker's cheese and onion crisps yes. in the pub. Yes. Oh, yes. I love yes. them. That's, that's the thing. Pickled egg in a packet of crisps. <laughs> people just don't understand it when I explain it. They're like, what? But John, my my partner, he he's just, he just, pickled egg, why would you? I'm like, but they're fine. Yeah. Oh, nothing like them. No, hardly any calories, it's just an egg. Yeah, it's just perfect. So um, with with Bake Off, um, you, obviously the first day you walked into the tent, 
Mm. You know, you know the tent because you've seen it in on the television. Yeah, I've watched every episode. So how did you feel when you walked in there and thought, oh? It was very familiar, very familiar. Um, and it's a bit like t- Teletubby land, you know, because it's like <laughs> colours and that. Um, what I couldn't get used to was the amount of people, the camera crew, the sound people, the lighting and, and all the food techs, the runners and that. It was a, a lot of, I mean, you were treated like royalty, you know, in, 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 in the care that went into it and everything. But yeah, that I was a bit, a little bit unnerving. <laughs> a bit. And then you're standing there and suddenly the judges walk in. Yeah. I, I remember the, yeah, when, the, when I had my first signature judging and I was just waiting for them to come to me and I was um, playing it over my head thinking, oh my God, I've seen this on TV and I'm actually now going to be standing in front of them. And that was my first signature. So, you know, like over the weeks when you're there, you must make quite a bond with all your fellow bakers. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. You are like a family. Yeah, yeah, you're living with them. So yeah, me, me and Janus really hit it off. We were the clowns, I think. <laughs> He's a real weird, you know, he's a like a young gay Polish lad and I'm like, you know, pink haired granny. You know, it's such <laughs> an unlikely relationship. Yeah. You know? Oh, but he's so adorable. He is so adorable. Yes, yeah. He is. Um they do they come down here often. Oh yeah, niece has been down a couple of times. And in fact I had a big birthday a couple of weeks ago, a surprise birthday, and um ten of them came down. It was like Cherbal was a light with bakers. I, I saw the it. photographs on um yeah. Instagram and I saw you all dancing yeah. and having a ball. Yeah, and my husband had um been arranging that for three months, the secret party. Oh, bless him. What a lovely man. Yeah, and I didn't have no idea. No idea. And oh. I walked into that room and I saw the bakers thinking, Oh my god. Oh, that's fantastic. Who made the cake? Dawn. Dawn did she? Did the main cake. Yeah. yeah. Um I think Kevin did the macrons and James did all the little cupcakes. Oh lovely. changes your life you know I went into it to achieve something um you know I think when I put in from the application I was bored it was a joke on a Sunday afternoon and I thought all oh, right right submit ha 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 my husband didn't think I'd get anywhere because he kept booking holidays <laughs> <laughs> sorry mate I'm in another week you've got to cancel it <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah no he said you don't want to be doing you don't know what's happening yeah you ain't gonna get through <laughs> no, he had his words <laughs> I bet he did yeah I bet he must be so proud of you though yeah he was yeah well, he, is. <laughs> he is so tell me a little bit about the gardening because I'm a big gardener and um you're coming to Bradford in June um and you'll be interviewed or chatting with lovely Simon Brown now Simon is a big gardener with his partner Jeremy or his husband mm. Jeremy um they've done loads of gardening so I think you're going to get on really well of course, we're getting into spring now, and so there's lots of jobs to do in the garden, isn't there? It's the time when everything yes. we start going out. Long- yeah, I've got. I feel one greenhouse up. I've just um, got another greenhouse. Someone was giving one away free, so we're going to start putting that up this weekend. And I've got another code frame coming. Um, and of course, I'm trying to do like Instagram stories on what I'm doing. Um, that's another um, string to be bow, really, because. When brands get in touch with you, I've got the gardening side to it too to keep up with. Yeah, you know, so I've got like um, a couple of seed brands now that are 
in cahoots with me. Brilliant. Um, I have to get into some um, tools now, gardening tools. Yes. Um, but I was, um, I, I, when I left school, I went into parks and gardens and I was a horticulturalist for about, oh, over 30 years. So, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm far happier in the summer holding a trowel and I am a whisk, yeah. I'm afraid, because when it's, you know, the weather's bad, yeah, I go and bake then, but in the summer, I'm in the garden, so I'm not going to be doing too much baking. last year because I was like off for three months I couldn't do nothing to the garden so no, I had no seeds in I had no tomato plant uh, no tomato seeds so I had to go buy the plants okay. it was like totally empty you know because I, I, I missed the, the season and I bet you missed the gardening as well because yes. you're in that bubble aren't you of, yeah. of just sort of baking in the tent and everything so everything else that's going on around in the world you kind of forget yeah. about and May all the lovely colours the greens and that and May is my favorite month of the year yeah and you know and I thought oh, you know I could be out there gardening or whatever but you know time went very very fast but I do like growing vegetables um and then using them in my bakes mm. you know like carrots carrot mm. cake mm. um butternut squashes I make uh, butternut squash scones like cheese scones but with all the, the butternut <laughs> in um there's lots of stuff quiches with leeks and yeah it's it's endless I used to make um, a pie called parsnip pie, well, primrose pie, I used to call it. Mm -hmm. And it was a a base of pastry, and you cook parsnips and you mash them down with lemon honey and lemon zest. Oh, that sounds nice. Yeah, put them in the base of the pastry, lattice over the top, bake it. And then I think egg went in there as well to enrich it. Yeah. And then in the middle of the little lattice, when it cooled, you put primroses. And it was Oi. it was kind of an old English recipe that said thank you to the parsnip which had sustained you through the winter because obviously you can pull them through yeah. the winter, can't you? And hello to the spring with a primrose. So it was yeah. a really but it's parsnip and it, it was used with honey and it was a pudding. I mean, you know, people it's, don't realise. Like you said, that's an old fashioned recipe and I've just done um a magazine thing for um a local big kitchen parts of stir. And um, I did a homity pie, which is another old recipe because they used all the vegetables that was in the garden and just stuck it in some pastry. And it's the same kind of um, thing. Delicious. Blooming delicious. So, Carol, I ask this question to everybody who comes on the podcast. And um, this is your Fifty Shades of Food. Okay. So, Fifty Shades. I want you to think... The Fifty Shades book, but put aside the rumour pain and the naughty stuff that goes on in there. I'm kind yes. of leaning, <laughs> I'm leaning towards the food which you love, which is a little bit sticky and a little bit naughty, and that you want to just eat on your own. You know, you draw the curtains, you lock the door, put on a bit of Barry White if he's what, you know, if he tickles your fancy. And, and you just sit down, and this is something you eat and just want to do it on your own. It's it's a, a complete pleasure. It's me time. What is your Fifty Shades of Food? I've got... It's about it's three foods as banned from this house while my husband is in the house because he cannot bear the smell. And so I can only eat it when he's out the house. And one of them is peanut butter. Ah! I love peanut butter. He can't stand the smell of it. Um, the other one is toffee popcorn. I love toffee popcorn. Yes. 
poppy popcorn. I'm not allowed to eat that in front of him. And the other one is cheesy Doritos. He's all right with, um, with like, lightly salted ones, but not the cheesy ones. He can't abide the smell of them either. Well, that's just bananas. I wonder if there's some sort of theme that's going through all of those. They're probably, it's quite, you know, to <laughs> actually... At the same time. <laughs> yeah, how bananas. Maybe it's a, a slightly caramel notes to it that he doesn't quite like. Maybe. Maybe that's maybe, it. But, yeah, yeah. So I'm not, I eat them on my own. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to sit there, you're going to have a bucket of popcorn, a, a bucket of uh, cheesy Doritos and a Doritos. bucket of peanut butter to dip them in. Yes, yeah. Crunchy and crunchy peanut butter. I like the good quality crunchy peanut butter. Listen, it's been so lovely to talk to you, Carol. And um, we're going to see you on Sunday the 11th of June at Bradford-on-Avon. You're yes. coming with Val, the lovely Val Stones. Yep. And yep. Giuseppe's going to be there, there, there that day. I'm really looking forward to seeing him. Yeah, he'll be it's there. Like when, it's like when, if before he even entered this competition, like I, I watched Bake Off and I was watching him and like, he was my icon. You know, I'm like, yes, you know, you've won in that. And now I'm actually going to be meeting him <laughs> and being on the same show. It's yeah. Like, what? I know. And he's such a lovely man. He's a real gent. His food is delicious. So, And David Atherton, who won Bake Off, yes. um, he's going yes. to be there on the Sunday too. And also Jürgen. He'll be there on the Sunday. So oh, you'll meet I him met too. Jürgen. Oh, Jürgen. Yes. <laughs> yeah. like so Jürgen. hopefully he'll bring his trombone. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a euphemism. Anyway, euphemism even. I'll get the right word if you're going to use it, Lottie. Anyway, it's been lovely to speak to you, Carol, and um, I will look forward to seeing you in June. Um, but in the meantime, keep enjoying the ride. Yes, yeah. Bit of a roller coaster sometimes, but yes. <laughs> and you can get out in your garden this year and yeah. get the seeds in. <laughs> yeah, I've got to uncover my seedlings in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. It's been lovely. Thank you. Okay. Thank you very much, Lottie. Thank you. Val Stones has been coming to our food festivals for a few years now and is always a total joy to watch on the big cookery stage. Her bakes are completely fabulous and we all fight for them when they arrive backstage. Val Stones, Cake Whisperer, Great British Bake Off 2016, all-round gorgeous lady. <laughs> and I can count as one of my friends now. You also make the most amazing homemade marmalade because you gave me a jar. And um, and I still think about it. It's the most wonderful marmalade. It's lovely to see you, Val. It's lovely to be with you, yes. <laughs> um, do you know, I've got the marmalade uh, oranges, real marmalade oranges in the fridge. And I'll be making it oh. tomorrow. Do you know, if, so I'm really, if I'm really lovely to you, can I have another jar? <laughs> you can. And I, do you know one of my favourite things to make with it is marmalade cake. Oh, yes. Absolutely delicious marmalade yeah. cake. Have you got a favourite cake, yeah. Val? Mm. Seasonals. I love marmalade cake when it's marmalade time. I love Black Forest Gatto, especially around Valentine's Day. Um, I love my elderflower. Elderflower and mint, the one I made in the summer. Oh, it's absolutely fabulous. So, cakes are seasonal. No, and fruit cake at Christmas. Oh, of course. Your elderflower cake, you made at our Bradford on Avon food festival in the summer, didn't you? Uh, a couple I of did. years ago. Yes. On, on a very hot day. It was. <laughs> I would say to be doing fresh cream. <laughs> I remember. Or anything else that melts. <laughs> so, 
um, going back to 2016, when you were on Great British Bake Off, and you, yeah. you, you know, you were on everyone's televisions in their sitting rooms, and everyone adored you. And they really did because we. When I remember, I used to love watching you. You were always doing your exercises when you were by, you know, waiting for your cake to cook, and then you were listening. Yes. You were listening to your cake to tell it, tell you um, that it was cooked. I did I always have done? My mum did it. My nana did it, and always explaining why because you can hear the sugars working, and and they they crackle, and when they start to slow down, and you just hear a gentle crack crack. You get them out because cakes continue baking when you get them out. Apart from a fruitcake, um, which you can't hear that crackle, <laughs> but any other cake does. Yeah. Um, a certain judge, a male judge in the tent, can I name him? You can name him. He thought out. Yes, Paul Hollywood thought I was balmy, <laughs> but that's up to him. I'm still listening to my cakes. <laughs> I don't think it's balmy at all, Val. It's not. When I did the extra slice, Michelle Rose said, when you, when you bake, you use all your senses, smell, taste, touch, listening. So I said, yes, that's true. So, mm, the one up for Michelle Rowe and I'm sticking with listening to my cakes. <laughs> yeah. So you must, you really loved doing Bake Off, didn't you? I could tell you enjoyed it when you, when you were what, you know, you... We took you all aboard. I think the British public, we just took you into your, into our hearts because you were so lovely on there and you were the cosy and, you know, funny, maybe a bit quirky. That comes from being a head teacher. You have to be quirky, very, very optimistic, very pragmatic. But most of all, you have to have humour because it's such hard work and every day I would have to keep my staff going with humour and jokes and friendship and all those kind of things. And it, I, I knew I was going to win Bake Off, but I knew I was going to have fun. <laughs> and it was. And it was an absolute delight. Um, I only wanted to go one more week, and that was to get to Cake Week. And then uh, that was all I wanted to do, and I didn't make it. But, hey-ho, that's life. Yes, OK. And did uh, what? how did you... Um get to the point of applying for Bake Off? Did you try a few times or was this the first time? <laughs> no, I didn't try. I, I, I applied on a whim um, five days before the uh, closing date, which is January the 10th, and literally applied, sent it off and thought, I'll hear no more, but, but never mind, I've done it. And I was teaching in a class and uh, on the 10th, and I got a phone call just before I brought my children in from the playground. And I said, I'm sorry, but I can't talk. I've got 32 children lined about, Sam. <laughs> so um, that's how it began. Um, so it was not planned. It was on a whim. And I was so naive when I, when I actually got onto the, uh, onto the show. But I loved it. And walking in there and seeing everyone... And suddenly you turn around and there's the male judge. And it was obviously Dame Mary at the time. Did you just think, mm -hmm. you pinch yourself and go, I, I can't believe I'm quite here. This, is, this doesn't feel real. Yeah. Do you know, Lottie, one of the things people say, what was the best part of being on Bake Off? I said it was walking into the tent, putting the apron on and looking 
down towards the cameras, towards the judges, and thinking, I'm not watching it, I am it. And it was wonderful to be part of it. And I, and then they said, it was some Perkins at the time, ready, steady, bake. And I thought, oh, no, this is not this is real. It's not, <laughs> not a dream. Get on with it, girl. <laughs> did you have any total disasters? Not in... Not in the Bake Off itself, but I did in the in the uh, Christmas one. Absolute total. I made some abs- beautiful mousses. And um, bless her heart, Prue is going thumbs up, thumbs up to them. And then we got, you've got 10 minutes left. And I thought, oh, gosh, I've got to get my mirror glaze on. And I put mirror glaze on and it was still warm. And the whole lot collapsed. Oh. And I, I was nearly in tears. Paul came to help me. Paul, not Hollywood, Paul... Um, um, Jager, Jager, um, and everything I put on them slid off. But oh. they all said, uh, the judges, that it tasted delicious and it was the taste of Christmas. And that's what I wanted it to be. Yeah, I know. It's just sometimes these things... It are happens. Just, yeah, it happens, doesn't it? There's always some little disaster. So um, yeah. I then met you at Great Taste Awards where you're a judge and yes. I think that's when I first met you there and uh, we've done some judging together over the years and then I said, oh, do you fancy coming mm-hmm. to um, a food festival? <laughs> coming and doing a demo? <laughs> and there we go, and that, you've been doing them for us for quite a few years now, haven't you, both at Tayman at Bradford? Because Bradford and Avon's just down the road for you, isn't it? Yes, Bradford and Avon is just down the road. Um, Tame, it's lovely to come across because... I meet yourself and and uh, lots of other lovely people, and your team are wonderful. Um, so yes, I come because I want to, and I'm I'm become. I used to do lots, and now I just do my favourites. Oh, so you're amongst <laughs> the favourites. Oh, thank you. I think the way you are as well. You are where you talk to people and you teach people on the on the stage you're very accessible um you're very easygoing and i think people feel that they can come up to you because they all come up to you at the end don't they for a chat and to buy your book yes um lots of people do come up and and i'm i'm pleased um but i think all the bakers you have have that same have that same feel so you're very good at choosing people that will will work on your stage the best and get the most out of the audience and the audience from them so it's it works both ways but yes and tame has become kind of tapey vessel has become a a collection point i say this in a, in a weird way but a collection point for um great british bake-off alumni because you all come along now <laughs> and you all get to meet each other for other years don't you <laughs> um it, it's it's crazy to try and get a meeting with my group of bakers, it's virtually impossible to get everybody together. It's easy to come to table and eat, and eat bakers. <laughs> we talk about food. You know, if you're backstage, we love talking about food. You know, with your uh, te- food technicians, with other bakers, we love tasting each other's food. It's 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 a real we cook. Call it the tasting club, really. 
exactly. It is like that, isn't it? When I come when I yes. come into the green room, there's always a beautiful, you know, table full of all the different bakes and main courses mm. and dishes and of wonderful, wonderful yeah. uh, side dishes, potato things and oh, delicious stuff. I never get to eat any of it though, Val, because I'm yes. always running around. And I, I think, well, I'll have a bit of that cake and I'll come back and it's, I know it's been are. snaffled. Well, next time I come, I'll make sure I put some aside. Lottie's Lottie's slice. Yes. Lottie's slice. You can put Lottie's slice in your handbag along with a nice jar of the marmalade jam in there as well, if you don't yes. mind. <laughs> okay. Because it, seriously, I tell you, you know Doddy, who looks after the green room? Um, who, yes. Yeah, who makes sure to, to make sure you're all She's okay. She's so tall, isn't she? It's very tall. She's so tall. Very tall, mm. with a handbag that has another never-ending supply of things that comes out of it. Um, so she and she came to stay, and uh, I had your marmalade in the cupboard. And she's a bit of a marmalade queen herself, I have you know. And uh, mm-hmm. she, we, I pulled it out and we had it for breakfast. And she said, this is fantastic marmalade. Where did you get it? Did you make it, Lottie? Because she was, she was a bit bitter and twisted thinking I'd made it, you see, and made it better than hers. Because right. yours was better than hers, Val. <laughs> but she couldn't get cross with you. She could get cross with me if it was mine. <laughs> I, I make all my own jams, you know. Um, we don't... I do, yes, I do buy jams occasionally, uh, but not very often. But marmalade, I I just like making it. The process is, is very, very rewarding. So, Val, I've got one more question, final question, and it's okay. what I ask everybody. So this is, what is your Fifty Shades of Food? So that is, this is something which you want to eat on your own in a sort of, darkened room it might be a little bit sticky a little bit cheeky uh, might make a bit of a mess but it's lovely and delicious and you just want to enjoy it in peace (laughs) (laughs) i'll tell you what it is when i make a ganache and i've made it for say a chocolate orange cake or whatever i have the bowl and i sit and devour Every single bit, and my fingers are covered. It's all over my face, <laughs> but I don't care. It's delicious. So and then I'll go look in the mirror and think, mm, "You better clear up before I see that." Brilliant. So that's so, it. That's Chocolate it. Orange ganache. Yes. Chocolate and orange yes. ganache out of a bowl with your fingers. Out of the bowl with <laughs> oh oh, but I, if I can't reach it, I use my fingers. I clear the pan out as well. So. <laughs> Wonderful. So eat the lot. Oh, that's yes. perfect. And that's... I make it for churros as well. Um, so, uh, so dipping churros in and eating it. Oh, oh, oh heaven. Gorgeous. Definitely 50 shades of chocolate. 50 <laughs> shades of filth. That's what it is. <laughs> yes. Wonderful. Perfect. Oh, thanks, Val. That's win- that is just brilliant. Thank you so much. And thanks for coming on the podcast. It's lovely to see you. You're welcome. Lovely to see you. And I will see you at the food festivals this year, summer and autumn. And if not before, I'll see you at Great Taste. Yeah. I first met Dawn Hollyoak when she popped behind stage at Tame Food Festival to meet up with some of her Bake Off friends. She applied over 10 times to get onto Great British Bake Off and we're so glad that she did. I am gazing at the gorgeous Dawn Hollyoaks who've just looking resplendent in your kitchen. You're in beautiful pink. I love the colour pink, really suits you. And um, and I can see behind you, you've got Val Stone's cookbook on the work surface. 
Yes, I have. Yes, <laughs> lovely Val. Oh yes. yeah, she's a darling. She's an absolute darling. So Dawn, last year I met you for the first time. Um, we at the back of the big cookery stage at Tame Food Festival. We have the green room, and it's where everyone just sits and chats and gets cups of tea made by Doddy, and she looks after you all. And then we to the right of it, we've got the um, the kitchen where all the food is prepped. And there's always, without a doubt, a huggle. A little huggly snuggle of Great British Bake Off alumni. And it's like, you're all like bees to a honeypot. You're magnets. You're all there, all the back, all chatting to each other. And you're all from different years. And it's just so lovely to see. And last year, I remember seeing you there. And, uh, and then... I just I actually remember saying to you, Oh, you never know, next year Dawn you might be on up here and on the stage. And this year you are <laughs> this year I know. I know. It's crazy. Why did you pop up last year? Was it um was it to see somebody specifically or Yeah, yeah. So I um I just kinda of, I was looking around for fairly local food festivals and Tame is not very far from where I live. So I thought, oh, you know, nice weekend Let, let's pop over there and then I had a look at the lineup and Giuseppe was there and I hadn't met any anyone at that stage because of course I don't think the show had actually aired at that point oh yes it had yes it was in it was kind of in flight um and I hadn't actually been out to anything where I was sort of in the public eye so I thought, yeah, food festival is a good place to go because I'm going to meet some bakers. And I saw that um, Giuseppe was there. And I also saw that uh, your famous num- number two boyfriend... My number two boyfriend, um, yes. Stephen was there as well. <laughs> so I thought, great, I'll go. And I'll, I'll hopefully meet Giuseppe and Stephen. And I didn't realise Val was there at the time. Um, but then, obviously, once I'd sort of got it in my head, I started, I messaged them... They were like, yeah, yeah, come and find us, come and find us. So I had the most amazing kind of introduction to bakers from other series, all at Tame. And it was it was just lovely to meet them all. And they were just so warm and so welcoming. And, and actually, the whole kind of Tame festival in itself, I thought it was a lovely, charming warm event it was it was absolutely fantastic so I'm very excited oh thank you no it'd be lovely to have you there and you're turning up to cook on the big cookery stage you're going to do a demonstration on Sunday the first of uh, of October we do have fun at Tame and we we do have a lot of bakers because it's such a popular series still it really is isn't it I mean it still gets yes. millions of people watching it and and I know for you it was it was a great experience. So, what did you? What made you go? Okay, I'm going to apply. Did you, was this the first time you'd applied? The second, third, or did you? No. So I, you know, because I'm incredibly old, <laughs> <not>. I apply. <laughs> You're not. <laughs> I'm sixty-one. <laughs> That's not incredibly so, old. Don't be silly. No, it's it's it's. I'm, I'm I call it middle age now. I yes. think sixty-one is now classified as middle age. Um. So I watched the very 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 first series, and I don't know if you remember. It was totally different. It was very much like um, a village fate type arrangement where they trotted around the country and they literally just put this tent up in a car park or yeah. village green or whatever. I watched it that year. I thought, I fancy having a go at this. I reckon I could do quite well at it. 
So I applied for the next series, didn't, I I have to say, I didn't really prepare very well. I just kind of built the form in and nothing happened. And then I think I did it again the next year and then the next year and then the next year. Now I'm getting the bit between my teeth because it's like, I can bake, I really want to do this. And I, I applied for every series, I think, just about. And then I think it was 20... It was series 11, I applied, and I got quite far in the process, but the year before, I didn't apply because I was ill. I was diagnosed with breast cancer, and I had to have a year of surgery, chemo, radiotherapy, and all that jazz. And it that was done, and I kind of put that behind me, and I thought, no, I'm going to apply again. So I applied, and I got quite far. I got sort of fairly, I think, to the shortlist. And then I was rejected. Well, goodness me, the gods were looking down on me because I was one of those people who were categorised as clinically extremely vulnerable at that time. And of course, they recorded the whole thing in a bubble and I'd have had to have declined my place. Yes, of course. Which would have been absolutely the worst outcome. I'd have been so upset. Um, So obviously then the next year I didn't apply because... I thought, you know, it's it's bubble time. It's still, still a bit wobbly, yeah. Just, it might be complicated, so I left it. And I thought, oh, I'm not going to apply again. And then I was watching the 20-whatever-it-was the series, 2019-2020 series, it must have been. And I thought, oh, go on, just fill in another form. Do it once more. So I filled it in, and hey, presto, I got the phone call, went through first audition, went through second audition, did, you know, the screen tests and all that jazz and everything. And then when I got the phone call, I swore. <laughs> I absolutely did. And I was shaking from head to foot. And then the reality sort of dawned and I thought, oh, my God, what have I done? You know, I'm going to make myself look an absolute idiot in front of the entire population. Um, but no, yeah, so I that was it. Really. But you shined, I thought. You shined on screen and your oh, baits were wonderful. I knew you great... You had a great character that came across, very warm. You know, it was. I think, and I think it was lovely, lovely watching you. And um, so, when you first walked into the tent that day, having met all the other bakers as well, um, we and you, and then the judges come in. I mean, were you a little bit terrified, slightly terrified, a little bit nervous, apprehensive? <clears throat> I, I kind of. I think walking into the tent. I think that first, the very first episode, the over. The overwhelming feeling was, please don't, please don't screw this up, Dawn, because you don't want to go home on week one. You know, that that really was. I was so worried that I was going to kind of have a meltdown and actually not be able to do anything and get paralysed with fright sort of thing. So I, I thought, no, come on, gird your loins and get on with it and just do it. You know, how many cakes have you baked? Get a grip, girl. <laughs> um, and, and, yeah, so... And, no, I, I didn't find the judges particularly terrifying. I think the first bake, I was I was a bit worried when they came round because it didn't go as well as it had when I'd done it. Because it was a really simple bake. Um, and it didn't turn out quite as neatly as when I did it at home but I think that was it was nerves um 
but uh, that the feedback was okay. And as long as the feedback was okay on the first one, I knew I had a very good showstopper in week one if I could deliver it. Yes, yes. And what was that? What was your first showstopper? So the first showstopper was a house cake. Ah. And like an idiot, I chose a really kind of, like there were loads of um, loads of processes and it was a really, I, I, it was 13 layers of Genoese sponge. <laughs> and it was unsupported. I mean, some of the other bakers were getting very upset about that and they were worrying and they kept saying, Dawn, you need to dowel it, you need to dowel it. I'm like, I do not need to dowel it. I know that this works, you know. Yeah. Um, and it did work, and it, it worked very well. They really liked it. So, um, yeah, it, Gen- it was... Um, Genoese sponges easy. aren't that easy to make either, and to have to make, you know, 13 layers of them, because they, they can be a bit tricky. <coughs> they can. Um, they're, they're, it's funny, isn't it? I think everyone finds sponges that they really like making, and I, for whatever reason, I really enjoy making those. Yeah. Um, so I probably felt... More comfortable or more confident than I should have been. (laughs) But maybe that worked in my favour for that one because I wasn't worried about the sponges. I was just worried about all the components and actually being able to get it put together in the time because we didn't, as you well know, they give you insane time scales to do these things. You know, you, you haven't got a chance of producing something that's of the quality that you would... Yeah, really like it to be. Yeah, you know? that's how they, that's how they get their jeopardy, isn't it? That's what they want. They want the will. They won't. They will. They won't. They is it going to be a complete balls up or not? You know. So it's sort of keeping people yeah. on their on tender hook. So that's very. It's yeah. very canny of them, but it's a bit mean, isn't it? <laughs> it's a bit mean. Janus on the um, podcast recently with me. <laughs> I can't wait to meet him. He's a sweetheart. I know I'm going to adore him. Um, I, I spoke the other day to David Atherton, who won in 2019. Um, yes. He's my number three boyfriend now. We've arranged oh, that. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's great. I reckon okay. I probably could get Janus on board as well as a boyfriend, I think, probably by the I end of the I don't know story. if he'd be that interested. I hate, you know, Lottie. No. You might not be tight. Well, you know, I don't think I'm Steve's type <laughs> either or David's, but hey, it doesn't stop me, Dawn. <laughs> I just carry on regardless. You girl, fair play to you. <laughs> you have obviously been baking for a long time and it's something that you've enjoyed and you do so well. So how did you get into it? Was it just you've always done it or you decided at some point, right, this is what I want to learn to do? Yeah, I, I so I grew up in a very typical rural area Um my gran used to grow, they used to have a fantastic vegetable garden, they had soft fruits, they had apple trees, everything. So I used to go to her every Sunday um, in the morning and then we'd find something to make for lunch and always find something to make for pudding and always find something to make for tea. And um, she kind of taught me. She was a cook. She was she was uh, she she was of that generation. They, she went into service. She learned to cook, and it was real old school. I suppose almost Edwardian baking, you know. Um, but she taught me the very very basics of of baking, and they stayed with me my whole life. I still do things now because I do them the way she showed me. 
over the years. I think I, I just, it's been a gradual thing where I've gradually got more and more serious about it. I think to start with, it was obviously something I learned in childhood. Then it was something I did through necessity, raising my family. And then I actually got the bug. And I think Bake Off had played a really big part in that because I, yes, I would always try and push the boat out with birthday cakes and things like that. But I had no, I'd, I'd never really kind of looked into it. And also all the online things that now everyone can find, you know, if you want to learn how to stack a cake, you can go online and you can find out. Mm. Whereas those things weren't available even when my, you know, my, my children, my youngest child is 31. So even when they were little, it, it, those things weren't really available. So... I think the advent of everything being online and on the internet has sort of pushed me again. It's very joyous baking as well, though, isn't it? Because it's, you know, you can just come up with pretty things that smell delicious as well. You can, it's just the smell of it, the anticipation of when it's in the oven and you bring it out and it's either soft and plump or, you know, and it's sugar and buttery. I mean, it's never going to be miserable, is it, baking something as delicious no. as that? You're always going to have a smile on your face. I've always said that government... I'm, in fact, there was... A few years ago, I was at a fundraiser. Um, it was a fantastic night. It was at the um, Café de Paris. And I was at a fundraiser for... Um, Very nice. Yeah, it was great. But there were a couple of politicians there. And I put my arm round... I think it was the chief whip at the time. And I said, you know what's wrong? I was asked a bit drunk. You know what's wrong with you politicians? And he said, no. I said, you don't eat enough cake. <laughs> looked at me and I could see and he, says, he said what do you mean I said we don't eat enough cake if you ate more cake there'd be less war I said frankly if you had yourselves a nice little Victoria sandwich at a Cobra meeting I said you'd have a much better outcome <laughs> of course there's nothing you can't fix with a decent bit of cake yeah <laughs> I think I, I think that should be everyone's mantra. It should be eat more cake, save save the world, eat more cake. You know, it's a wonderful thing. Right. So, before we go, this is the question I ask everybody, Dawn, and I'm hoping for a fantastic answer from you. Um, I want you to think about closing your curtains, locking your front door, turning the lights down, maybe putting some soft music on, and eating your 50 shades of food so what is your 50 shades a bit sticky a bit naughty a bit cheeky maybe get it down your front maybe you have to sit in the bath naked and eat it i don't know but what is it so i thought this would be coming <laughs> and i i actually have two but one i i thought long and hard about it and so the thing that I probably love more than anything in the world is pasta. And the thing that I guarantee I will order if I go to a, an Italian restaurant is a spaghetti carbonara, but it has to be a proper one. If, if it comes back and it's got sauce on it made from cream or whatever, no. That's not what I want. I want a proper carbonara made with pancetta or guanciale. Uh, it, it, it has to be a proper one, but a bucket of that, and I would be very happy. <laughs> Thank you very much. A bucket of that and a bucket of parmesan on the side. 
Exactly. <laughs> and, and there was, there is one other thing from my childhood, and that is a whacking great big shoe cream puff Ooh. with coffee topping on it, coffee flavoured topping on oh, it. Oh, lovely. It's full of double cream, so when you bite it, it squelches <laughs> out. Goes everywhere. That one you would have to eat in the bar. <laughs> so we're going for a bucket of carbonara, bucket with a side of um, parmesan chaser, yeah. and then the shoe coffee bun. A shoe coffee bun chaser. Oh, yeah. Do you know? I think that sounds bloody marvellous. Actually, I do. I love a, car- a carbonara. Um, oh. I love pasta like you. I just, I could just, I love, I love I, I pasta. I just eat pasta till the cows come home. I mean, I, I'll eat any pasta, but. I just love the flavours and I just, oh, I love it. And it's silky, a carbonara, isn't it? It's silky, the emulsion is just, so it sort of covers the the pasta and it has a gloss to it and it slips down. It's just kind of coated and it's unctuous and it's, oh, yeah, bring it on. Love it. (laughs) Wonderful. Well, on that note... <laughs> on that note, I will say that I'm looking very much forward to um, seeing you in September, October, actually, 1st of October. Yes. You'll be coming. Um, pop by on the Saturday if you want to. Yeah, you're I more than welcome. I probably will. I've already yeah. got it in my diary. Yeah. So, I, yes, I will more than likely be there. <laughs> be there um, for both thank days. Thank you very much for having me. It's oh, been a pleasure. No, it's been lovely to see you. You'll meet Gennaro Cantaldo on the Saturday as well. We've got him coming oh, on the Saturday. Yes. Talking pasta. So there you go. There you go. <laughs> Talking oh, pasta. Thank you so much. Oh, no, it's a total pleasure. I'm, I'm so excited about the time, really. Can't wait. Oh, it'd be lovely to see you in, in the flesh again. And, um, and you know, as I said to you last year, you might be on it next year, and here you are. So it's going to be great. Fabulous. Thank you. Siberia Yusuf is last year's winner, and deservedly so. We caught up recently for a lovely chat. Life has really changed for her from the moment she walked into that big white tent. So, Siberia, you're looking gorgeous there, fresh-faced, very beautiful in your house, and um, it's <laughs> you're blushing. Um, it's a complete pleasure to speak to you. I've been very, very excited about this chat um, because I watched you all the way through um, your experience with Bake Off, and you were always so smiley and bubbly, effervescent, gorgeous. You came up with amazing bakes, or so imaginative and all the different flavours and they work so well. So it's just a real treat to be able to talk to you today. Oh, hi, Bloody. Thank you so much for having me. All of the compliments just make me feel a bit blush. <laughs> oh, I, don't need, I don't need any flush or anything today. It will go for the whole day. <laughs> oh, bless you. Um, so I, I was just reading about you because... Um, we're very lucky to have you coming to uh, two of our food festivals this year. You're coming to Bradford on Avon in June, and you're coming to Tame Food Festival in September. Um, in June, you're popping along, and you'll be having a chat in the Food Glorious Food Marquee with uh, Simon. And in September, you're going to be um, on the stage cooking as well. So it's brilliant. We're really excited to have you. And as always, you know we have these wonderful biogs on the. Um, website so sort of so showing you know who's coming in what about you and I was amazed I didn't know this you didn't start baking until 2017 uh yes <laughs> I was it is it came as a surprise for myself as well because I never thought all of this gorgeous cake that I've been seeing around is something that I could make myself and uh 
living outside, uh, living far away from Malaysia. I miss my friends and the last cake I ever had with them was red velvet cake. So um, I tried to bake them and it works and I just realised I could bake. <laughs> <laughs> and I think you cooked it, didn't you? Um, you baked it in, in Bake Off and Paul said actually it was better than his. I know, that's brilliant. Hooray! <laughs> I'm actually very proud of that. I should take it with me. <laughs> yeah, take it to the grave, Siber. I think that was a re- that was a brilliant thing to have done. So you actually came over um, to study for your, for a PhD, didn't you? Um, and you've mm. gone from you're a scientist, but you've gone from plants to cardiovascular science, and you do yes. research there. I mean, that's that's a massive job. It is. Um, I w- from Malaysia, I was studying agronomist and I worked with plants, looking after plant breeding, doing plant evaluation. And it takes in my mind what's happening inside because I know genetics is something very difficult and why not go and learn? So that's why I decided to go for a PhD in genetics and genome biology. And then um, it's, it's just one leads to another because when I first came to Leicester, I've learned about genetics. They have like this cool technique where you sequence the genome with the GATC, which I put uh, during um, during the Bake Off. And the way how you process it, the way how you interpret the data into something digestible is, is mind-blowing. So I was thinking, okay, I should go to a step career. It's really cool. I love computer. And... Um, so the reason from plants to cardiovascular is they want more diverse background to do um, bioinformatics. That's the word. And um, so I decided to go to cardiovascular, which is very close to my heart. My brother had such a weak not everyone's life is perfect and my brother one of them where he got a very stressful teenage that he has to be admitted every single month because of his heart condition so I think okay maybe go back close something close to my heart and then I stick with it and it's just so much fun it's a very steep learning curve but the learning part of it makes me feel more adventurous more it keeps you awake and it just go every day so when you, yeah. <laughs> I think it's I think it's incredible, and it is. I mean, it's a wonderful area to work in. As you say, it's close to your heart. And I, you know, as you were telling me this, I was thinking, well, during the whole journey of of Bake Off, it must have been really difficult for you because you were working, having to come up with all the bakes, and also doing the competition. I mean, that's it's a lot to take on, isn't it? Um. Yes, it is a lot to take on. You would never have thought of how to juggle until you got into it and then they say you have this recipe, you have to prepare within this time. But I think you just have to go through and adapt because you want something and you already you want something. You want to be on the bake-off. You want to do really well. So what I did, I adapt. I don't mind if I'm tired. I don't mind if it's a little bit more push. I could wake up at five o'clock in the morning, do the signature bakes, practice, get ready, go to work, and then chat about my bakes to my friends at lunchtime, and then come back in the afternoon and still continue doing the baking. So um, 
it is a very long day each single day but eventually it's so much satisfaction because being on the in the tent it's something that I wouldn't imagine I could even done it in my whole entire life let alone go all the way through and winning the show that is that is just something that I wouldn't even think what I've done it since <laughs> when I reached England. <laughs> I thought I'm going to be researching forever. <laughs> well, I, I think it's amazing. And, you know, what made you apply? What made you think, okay, well, you know, I've made a red velvet cake and I like baking now and I've done a few more things. What was the, you know, did you look at the show? You obviously were a fan of the show, but you must have looked at it and thought, yeah, I reckon I can do that. Um, yes. Yeah, so when I watched the show, it's about two years back or three years back, when I see one of the challenges making brownies, one of the signature challenge, and I could make brownies. I think I should be on the show. So it just one little, ta-da! And then, yeah, it's, it's amazing. I, you just put in the application, don't think too much about it, and if it happens, it happens. And, yeah, it is un- unexpected. So on Bake Off, your bakes were, you know, Prue said, really imaginative. And that's what I remember as well. You used some great ingredients and some great flavours. You weren't afraid to be brave with what you know and, and you know, and attaching them to fairly more traditional um, bakes. Mm-hmm. So when you were coming up with these ideas that you have to come up with for each week, and there's a lot of pressure on you to do it, you know, what was your thinking behind it? Did you think, right, I've got a theme. And I'm going to follow this theme throughout. Was that how you kind of looked at it? You're nodding, yes. Yeah, so that was that's right. I got yes, yes, yeah, yes. Um, you look at the brief. You read it. You read it from page to page, and um, and then I would think, okay, how I could adapt with the flavor that I had from Malaysia. How I could adapt some of the technique that I can apply into these bakes. And is there anything else that I think it could give it a little bit of spin to make it look like, ah, that is actually cool. So that is something that I try to bring into the Bake Off tent because I don't think by being playing safe, by just doing um, the normal things would actually put you, put you amongst, how to say it, it, is, it will make you stand out amongst the rest um, yeah. by playing a little bit risky I know it is a very it's not advisable at the beginning to play a bit risky but why not I like people to judge me and it's I have confident issues so if I could really deal with two professional baker chef that actually judging me and criticize my bakes on a national tv I could go through anything oh without a doubt I mean it's a huge audience and it is nerve-wracking I mean when you first walked in there and I asked this to a lot of um when I'm chatting to all of of the bake-off bake-off lot you I sort of say you know how did you feel when you first walked in and you stand there like oh my gosh I'm in here now and oh no here comes Paul and Prue the two peas here they come walking in I mean go on say how you felt so um, the feeling when I walk into the tent, it's um, it's I love the pastel color around it, all the arrangement, and then you it it give you some it sipping some weird feelings of okay I'm here now and I got eleven other bakers that are gonna bake and I hope I could bake something and you what familiar within myself is baking at that point so. I can see Paul and Prue there, and my heart is just 
really thumping really fast and I was like okay this is not real okay this is real <laughs> but then what they said when Matt Lucas said okay bakers get set bake and that's when all of the worries all of the anxiety is just gone and you're in your zone and you start baking and suddenly you produce a fantastic bake at the end so yeah exactly <laughs> it worked out really well. yeah it did and and i think you're absolutely right it's it's interesting when you just go into your comfort space of, of of baking you know what you're doing you can ignore everything that's going on you can ignore the camera in your face because i know those cameramen they're running around and as soon as they hear someone go oh no they're whoo, straight up there <laughs> to get a shot of the disaster um now i'm just trying to think we always like to <laughs> that you say about that. totally right yes <laughs> oh, that's so true um but I can imagine you know there were times for you when things were a little bit slippery and you were thinking oh no so everyone loves to know this you know and it's the question whenever I say what do you want me to ask someone in Bake Off they always want to know your disasters because I think if we know that people have disasters then we know we're okay if people you know if, if a fantastic baker has a bit of a um, an issue and it makes you feel better about the fact that you can have a disaster so yeah. what, what what were the times when you were a bit a bit concerned the first time that I'm a bit concerned is about lemon meringue pie I never bake lemon meringue pie in my entire life and to be amongst the 12 bakers I look around everyone knows what they're doing and um Okay, what I should do now, I don't know. I know how to make the curd. I know how to make meringue, but I'm not sure if I should. I call, do you know when people say blind baking? I spoken to my cameraman. I think I should power baking this, um, this pastry. So is this the terms and the terminology is just gone out of the window. And when I bake my pie, my pie in the oven, when I look around, I just see people have a very nice brown um, pie case and then they fill in their, and then they fill in their, their curd and the meringue. And I said to myself, well done, that's the first soggy bottom and you might go home this week. Oh, but you didn't. Yeah. But you didn't. It was all okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I was at the bottom that week. So yeah. it is, it is a wake up call really. Mm -hmm. I, that is when I realized, okay, something needs to change. I just need, the technical is a technical. I cannot foresee what's coming, but disaster happens in a tent. There's a time where I, in a week four of my sweet corn cake, Paul and Prue didn't convince that sweet corn can be a cake. Okay, that puts a doubt at the start. And then the tres leches has to stack. My cake is too wet. And then I boil my dulce de leches. It didn't happen. It just turned out to be just normal condensed milk. And it, it just turned into disaster. I drop everything and I just stick, squat by the the bench and I just cry. It, it's just, I want to leave the tent at this time. It's, it's, it's a very low moment at that point. It does happen. And the tears always happen. It's... Um, and Abdul was there. He's he's being kind to just turn around. He said, "You're not alone." And then, okay, at the end of the day, I need to put something on the table, so I just have to go through it. And yeah, I don't know how I get through it, but it is something 
even though if you think it's going to be a disaster, it's because of your instinct as a human, you want to survive, you will do anything to make it happen. So yeah. that's what happened. And that shows tent. that shows why you won, doesn't it? Because of that determination, I think, as well. You know, you were always going to try and, and make it good, whatever happens. And I think that, I mean, that's obviously, to me, probably what you do through life as well, Siberia. I think it's exactly the same. <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and it's true. And, but you must always put something on the table. Do you remember a few years ago, I don't know if you saw it, the guy that put his bake in the bin and walked out? Yes, he, I yeah, that. you remember? Was it custard or it was a cake or it was an ice cream cake, wasn't it? I think it was baked an ice cream Alaska. cake. Yes, baked Alaska. See, that was silly. He should have just, even if he just put something down, even if it was melting and falling off the edge of the counter, it still would have been something. Yes. Yeah. So, so how something? It's, go on. Sorry. It's like Abdul. It's like Abdul this year when we have the Halloween where he accidentally torched his marshmallow. Okay. And it was perfect before that. But when he's torched, it, it just tell me, even if it's disaster, you just have to breathe through it. So what he did, he just put it on the table. And then he just explained to the judges, yeah, I torched my marshmallow. So that's not as long as you put something on the table. Yeah. You're good. Yeah. And I think that's what, for anybody that's listening now that wants to apply for Bake Off, I think that's really good advice. If they're listening, they'll be going, yeah, that's what we need to do. Whatever it is, we whack it on the table. Even if it's one biscuit out of 12, <laughs> it's something. So the final is a little bit weird. The final is the episode that I know, regardless, whatever happens, I will not go home that week. Everyone goes home. So I feel a little bit calm during the final. And I tell myself I've been stressing for the whole nine weeks to stay. So at least this final episode, no matter what's the outcome, I want to enjoy myself. And that's what happened because having a streak of three weeks Starbaker to be in the, in the final, it is a very high expectation. And I tried to forget everything that I have achieved for the nine weeks. And I just want to enjoy it. So, um, yeah, the... the the story producer asked me how I feel. I said, weirdly, I feel a little bit calmer than the previous week that I have to go through. And so when I walk into the tent, I look at Sandro, I look at Abdul, we are all here. And our technical day, our technical was a disaster. What? Nobody could set the pate bomb. And we just laugh at it because, <laughs> um, yeah, it's the final. And you want to enjoy it so much and just stick with each other because Bake Off is very intense, but it's an intense marathon. You will feel really tired towards the end. And if you leave me for five minutes, I'll fall asleep straight away. So that's how much the emotionally exhausted came up with the recipe, physically exhausted. So all of those things guaranteed you will feel it. But when you start baking... You were in your zone. You're just going to plunge through it. So don't afraid to be tired. Don't afraid that you think you're not going to survive because you will. Yeah, no, absolutely. And they were a bit mean to come. You know, they got you sideways giving you um, a vegan gelatine. Because we all, you know, you do know with normal gelatine, you must never boil it. If you boil it, it reverses and it actually goes sticky. It's new, get into a terrible state. But this one you have to boil. Unless you've worked with it before... You don't know. So I think I was a bit left field and it was a bit mean of them. And if I, I'd have words with them if that one. Um, but your orangutan... <laughs> yeah, I'll go, I'm going to go down and have a word with them. But your, um, your orangutan was just brilliant. 
I loved it. It's wonderful. I mean, the face, let's be honest, Sabria, the face was a little dodgy at the end, wasn't it? <laughs> But he held everything up. <laughs> I'm sorry, say again. I envisioned the face should be better than that, <laughs> but it's a it's a time constraint, honestly. Yeah. It's yeah. mostly the time that we I don't think I have enough time. An hour before it's finished, I'm still baking rather than start assembling the cake. Mm. And um so when I practice it, I didn't practice it till the end. I just tried because I was so tired. I want to rest at home. Mm. I just see if the flavor is going together. And okay, I just adapt whatever that I have baked before and change the flavor, tweak a little bit and pray to God that it will turn out. So <laughs> the orangutan face is not as I envisioned. It's horrible. <laughs> oh, it wasn't horrible. It was just quite funny. But you know what? It was still holding everything up and it was it was fantastic. It held held its place. It was just yeah, it just looked like his face was melting a bit. <laughs> it's just quite funny. Oh bless him. Final question, and this is the one I ask everyone, Siberia. Now I know I've I've mentioned yes. this to you and I, I do prep people on it because I think it's it's just always it'd be a bit mean for me to throw it on you. But anyway. What is your 50 shades of food? So this is something a little sticky and maybe a little naughty and you have to eat it on your own. This is for you and nobody else, Sibira. I want you to lock the front door, draw the curtains, turn down the light, pop a game on because I know you love gaming. What is it <laughs> that you want to sit down and eat on your own? Well, if I have to do that... I'll have a very big bowl of spicy noodle. That's mm, one. Yeah. In a side. And then on the side of that very spicy noodle is my sticky chicken wings that I eat every single inch without anything left on the bone. And I'll lick my finger <laughs> after I eat them because <laughs> I can. It's so good. So sticky. <laughs> that is. Yes, yes, that is something you cannot do in public, like eat the meat on the bone until it's very clean. Have you seen like when people put the put the um the chicken wing and then come up with very oh, clean yes. shiny bones? Yes. <laughs> Just like yes. that. That is my guilty pleasure. <laughs> so lots of lovely sticky chicky wings and you've got it down your fingers I mean down your face, down your front, and then you bury your face in the noodles as well and just give those a good <laughs> like that. That's happy days, isn't it? And then, yeah, it has to be very spicy so that if you, nobody's seen it. If you cry, nobody's seen it. So, yes, that would be a fantastic time to spend time alone. That sounds absolutely wonderful. And I have to ask you, if you're going to have something sweet afterwards, which of your bakes would you like to eat on your own with no one else there? So you eat the whole thing. You don't have to share it. I... I know the bakes in the baking tent is so fantastic because we have to do a lot of fantastic things. But when it comes to a treat of dessert, I always go back to a very nice fudgy brownies, a warm tray of brownies and a lot of vanilla ice cream. So that is actually my favourite thing to have every single year of my birthday. Oh, wonderful. So I can imagine you now with the lights dimmed, maybe something on Netflix, who knows. 
and you've got your bowl of noodles and you're covered in the remnants. Mm-hmm. You have your sticky chicken wings and the bits are everywhere and you have sticky stuff all over your face and now you're transferring yourself to a tray of brownies with a tub of mm-hmm. ice cream. That's it. And that is your Fifty Shades yeah. of Food. You're there. That's it. That sounds wonderful yeah. to me. It's going to be... It's going to be involve different kind of movie. So the spicy chicken wing and the noodle are going to be action movie. Yeah. So you go with the tempo <laughs> and then the rom-com just to sit down and enjoy the food. So it's like, oh, that is really nice. Yes. <laughs> Smiling. Because you're only ever going to be happy if you're eating sugar, aren't you? Let's face it. <laughs> Cake is life. Yeah. Cake is life. Siberia, thank you so much. It has been a pleasure to talk to you. And I cannot wait to meet you properly in June. We have a big hug and you can come and see our food festival and enjoy the day. And I know everyone is going to really love meeting and listening to you have a chat with Simon in the Food Glorious Food Market. I am very excited. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be wonderful. But thank, thank you. Thank you for having me, uh, It's a complete pleasure. I can't wait to see you. And thank you for coming on here. And mwah, it's wonderful. Thank you. Well, that's it for this week. Well, actually, for this series. We have made 15 fun-filled episodes and now we need a short break so we can finalise our plans for our June food festival in Bradford-on-Avon. And we've got lots of work to do. We will have a couple of one-off shows in the meantime, one of which is all about one of my favourite cookbook authors, Elizabeth Raffold. She changed the world of British food hugely in the 18th century. Don't worry, we'll be back with Series 2 after June, which will be packed full of chat and interviews with our masterclass guests, music acts, street food and artisan stallholders, and of course, our fabulous festival team. It'll be another zesty leap into the bright and joyous world of our food festivals. See you then. like listening to our podcast we just love producing it if you think you know someone that would enjoy listening to it too please share and pass on please like and follow us on the platform you listen with we are on instagram truly scrumptious podcast and of course there are our festivals where this podcast stems from bradford on avon food and drink festival and tame food festival website links are on our profile but just google them and you'll find us and buy tickets to visit thanks again for listening